Hello. Hello. Welcome to Jenny and Charles. I'm Jenny. And I'm Charles. And we are back with another episode of the Scary No Sleep subreddit stories. A sticky one. A sticky. Oh, yeah. Oh, I like it. <laughs> it's going to be a sticky story, sticky situation. Yep. So we have like two great stories for you. Um, I'll have one story about somebody that has a secret admirer that leaves them sticky notes on the monitor, but then the nurse started taking a dark turn. What you have, Chelsea? And mine is somebody also having a benefactor leaving notes around their house. Oh, okay. Well, let's get into these sticky situations. Huh? <laughs> oh, God. Okay. I mean, enough, enough sticky. I want to hear. Hey. No, sticky. All right. Here it goes. Every time I found one of those damn sticky, yellow sticky notes on my monitor, I knew it would be a bad day. My secret admirer had that effect on me. The note started out kind of charming. A few polite compliments about my clothing, a note about how kind and gentle my personality was, little exo signatures at the bottom. Middle school style crush. It was a bit of an ego boost, but I was happily married. My wife Emily and I had a rough stretch a few years back after I had had an affair. But we got things back on track. I thought of telling her about the notes, but I didn't want to worry her. The faltricious post-its went into the trash, and I moved on with my day. I didn't give the first dozen or so thoughts until they began to threaten me. The first note that left me with an unsettling feeling showed up two months after the first one. Gone were the flea-flowing, delicate curves and handwriting in after handwriting. Heavy groove gouged into the paper from the heavy block letters etched on the surface. Why don't you ever answer me back? You could leave a note for me on your monitor. It seems like you don't care. It's starting to make me angry. XOXO. At first I laughed it off before winding up the note and tossing it in the trash. The idea of leaving a note for my admirer was ridiculous. They had never even mentioned wanting me to leave a reply before. How the hell was I supposed to know? My mon- my computer monitor was like their own personal mailbox. Two days later, when I arrived to work, there were two notes attached to my monitor. The first one was the angry message from a few days before. It had been uncrumbled and smoothed out. Underneath sat another note on clean, uncrinkled yellow paper. Paper. You just wad up my messages and throw them in the trash? What the hell is wrong with you? You used to be something special to me. But now I see you just like every other guy I've met. I was wrong about you. You're a piece of garbage. XOXO. I felt a mixture of anger and relief at the note. Whoever this woman was, she didn't know me well enough to make judgments calls like this about me. At the same time, it seemed like this could be the end of the whole strange ordeal. That time, I put the note in my pocket and tossed it in the trash can in the parking garage on my way home. Whoever was leaving them, they were checking in the trash in my office. With any luck, they would move on and get over their fixation. No such luck. Only a few days later, there was another sticky note on my monitor. This time, it was neon green. 
had they written me so many damn notes that they ran out of the yellow pads my throat tightened and I, as I pulled it off from the screen and read we all have our shortcomings but I'm willing to forgive you please stop throwing my notes away these little moments mean so much to me and it hurts to know that you don't feel the same that's okay though your feelings for me will change with time if they don't I may have to hurt someone XOXO I immediately took the note to the HR office one of the reps read it her eyebrows raised and her head held back in surprise she placed it down on her desk and pulled off her reading glasses how long has this been going on Paul she asked me for concerned tone I'm not sure exactly I said scratching my head they've left a dozen notes dozen maybe do we have security cameras on the floor no she said shaking her head no cameras i'm afraid too expensive same reason they laid off the security officer in the building post-covid america isn't exactly thriving she gave me a look of sympathy and told me to tell her if any more notes showed up on my computer i nodded and told her i would we both silently, silently acknowledged that this was the first of many conversations on the matter over the next few weeks, I made multiple trips to the HR office to report the notes. They rambled endlessly about how heartless I was, how angry I made them, and the violent things they would do to me if I didn't respond soon. It was becoming exhausting. Last week, when I arrived to work, there was a hot pink sticky note on my computer, on my computer monitor. I was at the breaking point. The notes wouldn't stop. HR didn't know who was leaving them, and my place of work was doing nothing to put an end to this. At that moment, I would have done anything to get it to end. The notes offered the option. I get it. You're not interested. I'll back off, but only if you meet me tonight. I'll be on the fifth level of the parking garage near the stairwell exit. 8 p.m.? Don't be late. XOXO. It was 7.58 p.m. when I stepped out of the elevator onto the fifth floor of the parking garage. My heart was racing and a cold sweat ran down my back. From in front of the elevator, I had a clear view of the stairwell door, about 200 feet away. No one was there, so I made my way in that direction to see if I could find them. Suddenly, a red amber glowed brightly in the shadow cast by the door. Someone was smoking a cigarette in the darkness. The muscles in my body tightened as I wheeled myself forward. My admirer, my admirer was there, standing in the dark. Hello? I called out. A cloud of smoke bewildered from the shadow. It's Paul. You wanted to meet me? A woman stepped out of the shadow and dropped the cigarette to the ground grinding it with her foot. She held a gun in her left hand. It was my wife, Emily. Emily? I questioned. What the hell are you doing? I left the notes at the test. A few days, a month, I stopped in your office on my way to work and left the notes. The cleaning crew thinks I work here, I guess, she said, her face streaming with tears. I thought after all the troubles we had from the affair, you would tell me if someone was trying to steal you away from me again. You 
You left the notes? I stammered. What the hell is wrong with you? I wanted to be sure you wouldn't try to meet another woman again, she said, lifting the gun towards me. But you did. Here you are trying to meet some easy score. Emily, you can't be serious, I shouted. I came here to get this to stop. Why are you doing this? I knew you would, she said, but was cut off by the eruption of police sirens. She looked towards the ramp and the flashing blue and red light. You called the police? I nodded. Of course I did, I exclaimed. I thought you were someone that was going to hurt me if I... The thunder of a gunshot was all I heard before the world went black. I woke up in a hospital. My entire body ached. There was thick wire bandage wrapped around my midsection. A nurse thought I was conscious and ran to find a doctor. A police officer was in a chair beside me. After the, my physician entered the room, they explained that my wife had shot me in the abdomen and fled the scene. A manhunt was underway, but they hadn't located her yet. A protective detail would remain with me at the hospital until I was released. They never found her. That was about five years ago. I've relocated since then. A new state, new job, new life. It's been relatively peaceful until recently. You see, yesterday, I headed to the office a bit before the sun came up. When I turned on the light, there it was. A bright yellow sticky note on the corner of my computer monitor. And that's the end of the story. First of all, Emily is crazy, crazy. Yeah. Emily is very intense. So intense. She set up this entire trap to, I don't know, realize how twisted she is because mm -hmm. she set up this trap to get him to cheat on another, cheat on him with another woman. But when he came because he wanted to make, actually another person, because we don't know if the, the notes were left by a man or a woman or a non-binary person. No, but the, in the thing he said she. Okay. So, yeah. but he went to that parking garage to make it end because that's what the note said to do. He didn't go trying to score some cheap whatever. He yeah, just wanted, score. Mm -hmm. yeah, he just wanted some peace. And also the fact that she saw the police would have, should have dissuaded her. Exactly. In doing whatever she was, she was going to do because... Even if you thought he was coming, if you called the police, obviously he was worried. He didn't want to score. Like who, who, who calls the police and try to get like what he was trying to get a quickie in before the police came. Like mm -hmm, who does that? And then claim. So if you see the police sirens, you know the the man didn't want to do it. You know, like he wanted to end this, and plus he wasn't responding to you. He was throwing it in the trash. But mm -hmm. let's just face it, Emily. Emily had some serious problem that therapy is likely not gonna help with but she can still try but emily needs help she she needs help she sounds like she has a lot of insecurity and now emily is back <laughs> so my friend if if you need a new place i know a village in africa where she cannot find you <laughs> you're funny yeah. she'll find him there he has to get on no, the they don't, to get there no but they don't have computers there she so she won't have where to stick her sticky notes you know what i mean don't make me unleash my inner emily and show you plan by plan how i'm just saying that's her ammo that's her ammo <laughs> but there there won't be any computers so where is she where is he gonna stick the, the sticky notes okay, okay? do you do you think she shot him because she was panicking 
that she didn't actually mean to shoot him? I, I think so, too. I think so. Maybe she panicked when she saw the police arriving. You know, she didn't know what to do. She just she just shot him. Okay. She just... Well, she could have yeah. killed him that way. Right. That's kind of... And she, I think so? she's coming back to finish the work. It's, you know, it's been five years. Mm-hmm. And the police hasn't found her. But she found him. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like this is open-ended enough that I, he, either he could try to get back at her or keep running. They play cat and mouse forever. I mean, unless you do hook him up with that disappearing. I mean, act. just let me know, okay? Send 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 me an email at Jenny and Chelsea. Do you need okay? help escaping the country? Ow, ow. You know, actually, no, no. just that guy, yeah, just not everybody. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just, just, just Paul, just Paul. No, Paul hit me up. Oh, okay, that's All interesting. Right. So, what you got for us? Well, somebody has been leaving notes around my house, and they're starting to freak me out. Okay, yeah, let's go. They started innocently enough. Don't forget your keys. Read the first message, scrawled on a sticky note in loopy letters. It had been left on my fridge door. It immediately grabbed my attention because, at the time, I lived alone. I had no memory of writing it, and the handwriting didn't match mine or anyone I knew. I was slightly perturbed, but wasn't sure how to react. In the end, I just tossed the note and went to work. The second note came a few days later, left on my kitchen counter. The sticky note was not pink this time, but still had the same distinctive loopy handwriting. Make sure to pack a lunch today. Again, I wasn't settled. Now, any normal person might have reported this to the police, but during that time, I was going through a major depressive spell. I had moved to a new city away from my friends and family and had started a new job that I quickly realized I hated and didn't nearly pay enough. Home was lonely and work was soul crushing. I had trouble enough getting out of bed each morning, let alone filing a report that I'm sure the police would not take seriously. Even more stressed, I crumpled up the note. However, I ended up packing a small lunch for myself. Usually I didn't bother to put in the effort and just ate cafeteria food, but against my better judgment, I fulfilled the wishes of the note. That day, the cafeteria was closed. The main cafeteria fridge had broken overnight and many of the frozen lunches inside had gone bad. Management thought it would be better to shut it down for the day. A feeling of unease settled in my stomach after learning the news. It was as if the note had predicted it. The notes continued throughout the following weeks. They would typically show up on random days. No more than three notes a day. They were all left in very obvious places in my apartment, all on sticky notes and in that unfamiliar loopy handwriting. They begin to grow more prophetic. Take I-80 today. There will be a bad accident on your way home. Janet is going to offer you some cookies at the office. Politely decline. They will give you food poisoning. Mary has been on a diet. Compliment her on her weight loss. She will end up thinking well of you. (laughs) Yeah. Of course, I tested the notes to see if they were accurate. Every time I ignored their advice, whatever it warned against came true. 
One day, a note said to pack an umbrella, and I purposely didn't. It was forecasted to be sunny that day, so any normal person wouldn't think to pack one. Be sure enough, I got soaked that evening walking to my car. I was incredibly curious about the notes. There were so many questions I had about them, and those unanswered questions kept festering in my head. I tried writing notes back in return and leaving them out, but never got a response. I'd speak out loud and ask questions as if or in case the note writer could somehow hear me, but this one made me feel foolish. I'd occasionally make a surprise visit home at odd hours just to see if I could catch the note writer leaving their notes. Of course I never caught them. I tried installing cameras in my apartment, even making sure all of the cameras were completely hidden, but the next day I found every single one of the cameras inside completely torn out and placed on the kitchen table with a single note next to them reading, never do that again. The notes stopped coming after that, which made me deeply regretful. I had grown accustomed to the notes, I had begun to rely on them even. They had significantly improved my way of life over the last few months, both mentally, financially, and socially. I had actually started making friends at the office thanks to the, their advice. And for the first time in my life, I was even a bit popular. My managers, who before the notes didn't pay much interest in me, now valued my presence and would ask for my opinion on projects. It was no secret I was on my way to a promotion. Could I still do that without the notes? I also valued the notes as a friend. As weird as that sounds, or more like a guardian angel, whenever or wherever they were from, they were always protecting me. Without them, the future was suddenly unknown and dangerous. Every time some mild annoyance popped up from that point, from bad traffic to stressful work situation, and even a minor paper cut, I thought about how this all probably could have been avoided if I still had the notes. The next week, a bright green sticky note appeared on my bathroom mirror. Don't forget to call mom today. It is her birthday. I nearly cried. I decided to suck my investigation and just accept things as they were. Slowly, the fog of my depressive spell began to lift and I could feel myself returning to how I used to be. My confidence rose and for the first time in a while, I felt in equilibrium with my life. I went out, cracked jokes, and even managed to clean up my apartment. I also managed to get a girlfriend somehow. Her name was Amanda. I met her at a pub when I was out with my buddies. The best part of this all is that for some reason, she seemed to actually be into me. She was gorgeous way out of my league really, with long auburn hair that reached down to her back with soft brown eyes. Her laugh was lovely and the lemon scented perfume she liked to wear was intoxicating. She was the type of girl you could chat with for hours and never run out of things to talk about. The relationship was still new so I was trying not to plan our whole future together in my head but she was so lovable it was hard not to. At some point, I briefly thought about telling her about the notes. I've always wanted to tell someone about it, but never really had anyone to tell up until now. I decided not to, however, afraid she might think I was crazy. 
There was no point so early in the relationship making her think I was alone. Plus, I was afraid the notes might stop again. If whoever was leaving them clearly didn't want me looking into them, how would they react if I shared what was happening with somebody? So at the moment, I kept it to myself. Amanda had a hobby of cooking and had invited me to her house on a Saturday for, in her words, the best fucking spaghetti you'll ever eat. I was pumped since that was the first time I would actually visit her house. I was in a good mood that evening and as I was getting ready for the day, I hummed to myself happily thinking about how lovely this was going to be and then went downstairs to grab my keys. On the kitchen counter was a new hot pig sticky note. I picked it up instant, instinctively. Kill your girlfriend. My brain stopped for a moment. I read it once. Twice, a third time, the words flashing in my brain, but hitting an error every time. I set the note down and gulped, feeling nauseous. Anxiously, I went to my car and started driving. I tried not to think about the note, but the words kept circling in my mind. Kill your girlfriend. The notes have never found me before, and they were always in my best interest as far as I knew, which was admittedly not much. Maybe they were wrong this time? Maybe it wasn't meant to be taken literally? Kill could be a synonym for break up, right? My mind kept trying to make up poor excuses the whole way there. By the time I arrived, I was a sweaty mess and not a lick calmer. I pulled down my sun visor to check my face and a bright green sticky note fluttered out. I went cold. The note had never appeared outside of my house before. Hands shaking, I picked up the note and read it. Kill Amanda, take the gun from your glove box and shoot her. I looked at my glove box wide-eyed. I did indeed keep a handgun in my glove box for safety purposes. I wanted to puke, to believe this wasn't happening. Again, I ignored the note and walked up to Amanda's house, trying to shake the message from my mind. She answered the door almost immediately after I rang the doorbell. Hey, what's up? She said with a bright smile, but when she saw my face, the smile dropped. You okay, Gary? What's wrong? She said in concern. Nothing, I lied, trying to force a smile. Well, actually, I think I have a bit of a stomach ache. Come in, come in, she ushered me in. The inside of her house was cute and homely, and she fretted over me worriedly as she led me over to her kitchen table. She then took my hand and rubbed it comfortingly. If you're not feeling up to spaghetti, we can always have it another time. Don't worry about it. Do you want any antiacids or something? I smiled. The way she was so concerned for me over a simple stomach ache made me fall in love with her all over again. My heart pained with both love and guilt. The aroma of cooked spaghetti was also extremely strong, and even though she said it was fine, I knew it would probably be a bummer for her to pack away all that spaghetti after just making it. I'm fine, sweetie. I I probably have a stomach ache because I haven't eaten much today. I was looking forward so much to your spaghetti. Her smile returned again. I always love how fast she smiled at things. Well then, Mr. Hungry, let me grab you a bowl. She left the kitchen. I reclined back inside it, sticking my hands in my pockets. I felt a crinkle of paper. Shit. Shit. I pulled the paper out of my right pocket. Take your chair and bash her head in. 
I had a hard time controlling my breathing as I stuffed the note back in my right pocket. I also felt paper in my left pocket and against my mind screaming for me not to, I pulled it out realizing that it was actually two notes crinkled together. Shakily, I unwrinkled the first note. Do not eat the spaghetti. Drugged. What's that, Gary? asked Amanda behind me. I nearly jumped out of my skin. I stuffed the notes back in my left pocket. Oh, uh, just some note from work I forgot was still in my pocket, that's all. I said in a weird voice. She frowned. Looked like she wanted to say something, but then thought better of it. Here, babe, she said gently, handing me, handing me a bowl of spaghetti. It looked heavenly. I wanted to puke. She sat next to me with her own bowl. She rested her head in her hands and looked at me excitedly, expectantly. I stared at her blankly. Well, take a bite, Tilly, she said, gesturing towards my bowl. I, um, mm, mm, I am so sorry. I really need to use your bathroom. I jumped up and started looking for a bathroom. She jumped up after me, looking confused. Gary, what's wrong? You've been acting weird. When I found the right door, I went in and locked the door behind me. She kept knocking and knocking. Gary? Gary, seriously, what's wrong with you? Is the stomach ache that bad? Talk to me, Gary, please. I backed up against the bathroom wall, then sank down to the floor. I pulled out the two notes from my left pocket again, this time reading the second note. My heart sank. She's not Amanda. And that's the end of the story. <laughs> face what you seem very um what yeah that was not a man wait 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 i'm so lost okay the story was so good it was going so well <laughs> until the she's not amanda how you just leave people that this is what i have issues with open-ended thing people take it as unfinished open end doesn't mean unfinished you can wrap up give us enough information but if it's not amanda who is amanda okay that, so i'm glad you feel that way because and that part of the reason why i decided to keep this story anyways is because everything leading up to the very last word was so enticing it really it was so good so well written yeah and then like it's just like and then they got lazy and that's it they cut it there i, I need the more I, and there's a second part this is i tried i tried okay. finding it but i there is no part two that's the last one just said she's not amanda and now that he doesn't have a chair to bash her head in or he's gone to shoot her i don't know but um yeah it's, so basically the notes just appear out of thin hair air like just appear in the pockets um so i think the assumption is that the notes were placed i feel like it appears out of because you would have found both of them yeah the first time when he first the other one but they appear as needed and basically said, the yeah. person is writing it and like phew sending it i think pocket, so right pocket because he if he had taken the gun out of the glove box <laughs> and um done the deed the one about use the chair to bash your head in or don't eat the spaghetti is would not make sense exactly it would not because he, he yeah so whatever that is it's really trying to save his, his life and he's not listening 
But do we know no Amanda is I trying know. to kill him? I know. But then my question is, if it's not Amanda, who is it or what is it? Exactly. Is my, my next thing. And At least they... tell us. The note should explain, you know, if it's a shape shifter, you know, like, yeah. I don't Amanda know. Amanda has an evil twin. I was thinking maybe Amanda has a twin that escaped like psych that. ward or something like that, you know, mm. for a yeah. little visit. They gotta get, take these good things and make them disappointing, like... It was going so well. I was hooked. I was yeah. hooked. Yeah. Like when you said the note said kill him and I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> my eyes that. were just like Yeah. And then they just let me down. I know. They just let me down like this. Yeah. Dear listeners, yeah. if you want to collaborate with this Redditor and come up with the end of the story, we'll be forever grateful to you because I don't want to just speculate. I want them to tell me what happens. You know, I don't want to come up with my own ending anymore. Thank you very much. Like finish the work. <sighs> but yeah, I it was it was so good. Other was... than that, it was really good. It was really well written. The person can do better. They can they can, they can do, do so more. They can do more. Can do more. Yes, yeah. please do yeah. more. Like a few more paragraphs will be greatly appreciated. A finished story would be greatly appreciated. Because yeah. this was eight months ago. So yeah, you had you had eight months. <laughs> you can give you us had, you had enough time, okay, sir? Like there's no explanation, no reason why we don't have the follow-up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll keep a I'll keep a, an eye on it and then if something comes up and they do properly finish this story i will update you guys all right so i do have an extra story actually Ooh, extra i like the sound of that let's go it's also from the no sleep reddit i know we, we said that we had two but yeah take it as a bonus i guess so this last story the title says my wife and i shouldn't have gone to bed angry i'm not even going to tell you what the fight was about why should I? It doesn't matter. Nobody had a secret second family either. Neither one of us were spending all our money behind the other's back. When you get married, a lot of people will offer you unsolicited warnings. You're going to fight so much, they'll say. Aunt Deb may have been projecting slightly. But what they don't tell you is just how domestic these arguments will be. In such close and constant proximity, the smallest resentment can fester like a battle wound in a muddy trench. Truth be told, Ali and I don't even fight that much. Many of our friends will view us as couple goals, or so they tell us. We are deeply in love, despite our differences in loading the dishwasher still. You can only watch a woman load the dishwasher wrong so many times, right? The place don't go like that. Among the garbage heap of bizarre advice and stale sex quip, a couple will hear on the wedding day, one pressure jam lies hidden. Often going unheeded, precisely because it's repeated so often. Don't go to bed angry. It's good guidance. I will give it myself someday, maybe even the next time I attend a wedding. But when I look at that happy couple in their eyes, I won't just tell them not to go to bed angry. I'm going to tell them why. It's not about keeping that wound unfastered. Despite what you might think, it's about abiding, avoiding the small man in the silk hat 
It's about keeping him as far away from your house as possible. Because if he finds you, well, I suppose that's the wrong way the happy couple will stop me. Look at me like crazy, like I'm crazy. If they've had hired security, perhaps they even show me to the door. But at least they weren't able to say that I didn't warn them. Again, I'm not going to tell you what the fight was about. Stop asking. You did only know that by the time 10 p.m. rolled around, Ali was laying in bed, fuming. And I was downstairs, calmly sipping from my glass of Jameson on rocks. Assessing the situation with a logical, cool head. And fuck it. Who am I kidding? I was fuming too. God damn. You can get mad during those 12 rounders. Layla, our three-year-old beagle, watched me with mild interest as I paced back and forth in the dining room, perhaps wondering if I'd gone too nuts to feed her in the morning. My own concern was wrapped up in a frantic replay of the argument. Imagine a sportcaster analyzing the highlight in a slow motion. Now, Jim, watch carefully as he says that really dickish thing. My eyes aren't what they used to be, but that's clearly in response to the bitchy thing she just said. It wasn't going very well. I'd been, I'd been horrible and I knew it. Briefly, I considered going upstairs and apologize, but there was two obstacles. I still thought I was right and I am an asshole. So instead, I decided to go for on, on a nighttime run to clear my head. At least my shoes too tight. I'd pulled the strings a little harder than usual and didn't realize it until I made it out to the sidewalk. Of course, I thought bitterly, can't even enjoy a run in peace. With some shame, I admit to you that it never crossed my mind to crouch down and loosen my shoelaces. Still, exercise is healing and it wasn't long before my focus was on my breath. My arms pumping the slap 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 of my shoes against the asphalt. After a mile, I had trouble remembering why I was mad. After three, I'd forgotten entirely. When I finally completed my loop four and a half miles later, I was ready to go upstairs and apologize. So ready, in fact, that I forgot to lock the front door when I re-entered my home. But when I reached our bedroom, I found my dear wife asleep. Or pretending. Either way, the fight was over for the night. And we were going to bed angry for the first time in our three years of marriage. Quietly, I grabbed my pillow from the bed and retreated to the guest room, feeling more sad than I expected to. The next morning, I found Ali and I brushing our teeth next to one another in the bathroom counter. Neither of us were cold exactly, but we were unusually cordial. More often than not, one of us will playfully smack the other's butt during tooth time. There was no much touching today. We knew the fight couldn't resume before we left for work, and we knew it would resume that night. Ali spit out her toothpaste, then cupped her hand under the faucet and filled them with water. She splurped the water from her hands, and then I had a glance at her at this exact moment, so I saw it all. She looked back up in the mirror and her eyes bugged out. The water sprayed out of her mouth and she spun back, backed against the wall, screamed and pointing towards the corner of the room. Oh my God, oh my God. There's someone turned it, there's someone around. 
she didn't need to tell me twice i wheeled around and i and i thought if i opened my mouth my heart might fall out but there was nobody there Avi had collapsed to the floor back against the wall sobbing and pointing he was there he was he was right there oh my god oh there's no one i said in disbelief wondering if it was some kind of trick i crashed down to to take her face in my hands she was shaking uncontrollably she couldn't look at me she kept her eyes plastered on the corner of the room he was standing right there she wept he was i swear i swear i saw i know i said even though i did not know at all it's okay he's gone now after a moment i pulled aldi to her feet and discovered that i was wrong she glanced in the mirror and her face collapsed she screamed again no 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 she didn't even look behind this time she bolted out of the room so fast that she knocked my head against the wall i looked at the corner again half expecting to see someone this time but there was nobody there neither one of us ended up at work that morning when ali finally came calmed down she told me what she'd seen a man small in stature crouched in the corner of our bedroom of a bathroom he wore a silk top hat and fancy clothes like he was a guest at some kind of victorian dead she did not describe his face other than to say it would never leave her memory not until the day she died after a few minutes i suggested that we look at our smart doorbell footage from the night before thinking it would put ali's mind at some kind of ease before we left for work it did not we fast forwarded to, through the evening 7 p.m 8 p.m finally i stepped out onto the porch and left for my run i didn't know you left ali said absently 11 p.m i returned dripping sweat midnight all was as it should have been for a while longer it wasn't until 3 17 a.m that he stepped onto our porch he was exactly as ali described him much slimmer small much smaller than me but with a top hat that honed in the midnight moonlight silk it looked like he wore a suit that was not quite a tuxedo but that may have been a precursor to one and his face was memorable indeed he looked directly at the doorbell camera for just a second or two he knew we were watching and he didn't care the minute that had reached out his hand to open our door and stepped inside our home we never actually talked through that fight in the end we've been brought together in the morning's events like soldiers who bickered in the barracks before uniting against a common enemy an enemy who as he happened was nowhere to be found it's a common trope in a horror story for a wife more spiritually attuned than her husband perhaps to witness something supernatural some infraction of nature only for the man to think she's gone crazy Ali and I might have trod a similar path. Were it not for that footage, that was indisputable. And yet, it turns out there's only only so much the police can do when the suspect vanishes into thin air. Well, I'll be goddamn. That's pick, Detective Mayer, a man who, despite his general uselessness, looked and sounded exactly like something out of a hard-boiled paperback. He looked at the doorbell footage. on the laptop again just walks right in don't he he do ali responded with a tone still frightened of course but 
I've never met an English teacher who could abide such a usage error. The detective chewed his lip like he was dentine, then clapped his hands and said, Well, we've um, already given the place uh, once over, but I'll have my man run, run it through one more time. In the meantime, he pulled out a card out of and handed it to me. You ring me straight away if you see him again. We stared at him, dumbfounded. That's it? Well, what the mayor held out his hands, as if to say he thought we were in the process of crucifying him. But he thought better of whatever he was going to say. Procedures been followed here, sir. Uh, we've taken statement, copied your security footage, searched your home and good. That man ain't here. Now, we put out an APB and we'll increase our patrol frequently in this area. Hell, I'll even park someone in front of your place tonight. He was in our bathroom, Ali said through gritted teeth and tears. Tell him, she looked at me imploringly. But I had already told him. Ali saw the man, and only in the mirror. I hadn't seen him at all. That night, we invited Chelsea and Charles over. Chelsea was a longtime friend of Ali, and I could bond well enough over sports with her husband. Even though he could be a bit loud, and his parents had named him Charles about a century too late. The happy couple had obviously been fighting before they came over, so Charles and I drank and watched the game absently while the girls huddled on the other couch, commiserating about the day's bizarre event. Something in the seventh inning, I stood and to grab Charles and myself another round of beers from the fridge and cracked the first bottle top. As I moved to crack the second, Bitch! A harsh male voice rang from upstairs, freezing us all in place. For a moment, there was a perfect snapshot of fear. The rest is a blur. The bottle slipped from my hand and shattered on the floor. The girl screamed and I might have imagined this or concocted it in retrospect. But had a third female been screaming at the same time? I leaped over the studs and broken shards a bottle up the stairs, taking taking them three at a time. I barge into the master bedroom, nothing. I snatched the home defense baseball bat from the side of the nightstand and began to prowl through the rest of the upstairs. The voice had come from here. There was no question of that. I only wondered which room had to get scattered the man's brain across. I can only explain what happened next by nothing that, as you might expect, I was absolutely wired. The adrenaline was something animal. I was trailing blood all across our carpet. I hadn't quite cleared the bottle shards on my flight upstairs and didn't have a clue. So when I entered Ali's office and caught a glimpse of something against the wall on my left, I didn't hesitate. I cut the butt viciously through the air and shattered Ali's full-length body mirror. I had swung at my reflection, right at my face. But I didn't feel foolish about it, no. How could I? When in a split second before impact I'd seen in the mirror, a silk hat perched atop my own head. They've been fighting a lot, Ali told me in the bed. Chelsea and Charles ever since, referring of course, to a couple weeks before. The night when I sliced my foot and broke the mirror, our friend couldn't have left fast enough. 
They always follow up, I say, eyes fixed on my phone. They're married after all. I expected at least a pity laugh from Ali. I didn't get one. Not like this, she said. The thing he's been saying to her, what he said, it's, um, it's not so much what he said, it's the way he said it. Ali sounded deeply troubled. Though I didn't pick up on that until the conversation ended a few seconds later. Loud and obnoxious? I asked with a slight grin. Cause that's not exactly out of the ordinary for Charles, babe. That's part of the course. No, it's not like he's... Ali paused, then processed my sarcasm and slided. Just forget it. Months passed and nothing else happened that was strange. Ali and I didn't fight much at all in those months. A Pavlovian response to the horrific, horrific events following our last big row, perhaps. But we weren't complaining. Actually, we barely even thought about it. Things were back to normal. For us, at least. Chelsea had kicked Charles out of the house. I didn't know too much about what had gone on between them. I didn't care to. I imagined they went to bed angry many times. Ali, of course, knew every details, and Chelsea was at our house more often than not. Neither Ali nor I had seen Charles since the night I broke the mirror. We assumed he was out of our lives for good. He was not. It was about roughly 11.30 on a Friday night. I sat on the couch with Ali's feet propped up on me. On the other side of me, Chelsea sat with our dog Lila perched in her lap happily receiving pet and ear scratches. We were watching a movie. The girls love kids' movies and had had their hearts set on Meet the Robinsons for whatever reason. I had a beer in hand and was too buzzed to mind much. Tut, 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 tut. Lela ears stood straight up. Someone was at the front door and judging by the veracity of the knock, they did not sound hot. It was not the smart rap of knuckles. It was the slapping of the closed fist. The girls whispered on one side of me. Lila started to growl. What the fuck? I muttered. I moved Ali's leg off my lap and stood up. She clenched at me frantically, pulled me back. No, don't, she began. That stopped short. Whoever stood on our porch now was rattling the handle of our door, trying to get in. I stood up. Lila barked a sharp piercing help, which was then dwarfed by an almost indescribable roar of noise from the door, from the front door. Charles had shut the door now. Lila bolted up upstairs to safety. The three of us were not so fast. Charles was in the room before any of us could even find our footing. He brandished a gun and stood before us with grazed eyes, wearing a tuxedo and a soaked up hat. The suit was not quite the same as the small man's from before, but the hat, it was the hat. It had to be. Bitch! Charles roared, taking a step forward. Where are you? I wheeled around to find that Ali was clenching me tightly from behind. I hadn't even noticed that, but Chelsea was nowhere to be seen. A whisper from behind the second couch, give her away. Charles grinded manually and took another step forward. I pushed Ali aside and stepped in front of him. Don't, I said, hands up, pleading. Let's talk. You're a Red Sox fan, he said, still grinding. Other than that, I've got nothing against you. 
but I'll shoot Ali if you don't get the fuck out of my way. He shifted the barrel of the gun so that he was pointing it at my wife, who crouched near Lila's crate. I would like to say that I at least weighed my options. But what option did I have? I was too far to reach him. He'd blown the love of my life away before I could even start towards him. I stepped aside. Charles walked past me to where Chelsea hid. She had time for half a scream before he put a bullet in her head. There was a second or two of perfect silence after the shot. I lunged for him then, hoping to tackle him from behind, but I needed to have battered. Charles only had violent intentions towards one of us that night, and he'd already killed her. He put the second bullet in his own head. He fell, and the silk top hat landed perfectly, almost mystically, atop his sprawling corpse. I won't tell you about the rest of the hellish night. There's only one other detail you need to know. Somehow, by the time the police arrived, the hat had disappeared from Charles' body. It never turned up. That was almost a year, a year ago now. And things are decidedly not back to normal. Maybe they never will again. And every time I dare to hope, I remember that fucking hat. Let's talk about last night instead. Ali and I fought again. No, I won't tell you what about. Why do you keep asking? Anyways, it wasn't a huge deal. They rarely are. Despite what they feel like at the time, it didn't start with a dishwasher dispute. But it may as well have. I've fought a few times since we fought a few times since the night two bodies laid on our living room floor. This few night this few flat wow these new fights are strange. They're less intense, but they last longer. Think simmer of five hours. Instead of bring to a boil, then reduce heat to low. I suppose that's because we don't dare give each other space anymore. How could we? After what happened the last time? When that hat is still God knows where? We'd reduce the simmering to close proximity together. It can be torturous, but last night, after a long intense silence, Ali bursted out the deck of cards. She didn't even say anything, she just sat down and started to deal. I picked up my cards and looked at my wife, my life partner across our dining room table. In our home, our dog lay contently on, at our feet. There was a strange mixture of coldness and warmth resting between us that I think can only exist between two people who have started, for better and worse, to merge into one. Got any trees? She asked, glancing at her hand. Go fish! And that's the end of the story. Okay. It was definitely a bit unsettling. But very confusing. Yes. I would say. I don't quite get the end. Me neither. Because does that mean the top hat, the silver top hat man just didn't come after him? Or is it because them? he shattered the mirror that it didn't happen to him? Oh, so like possibly when he did that... The curse was broken and it jumped to the other couple that was near. I don't know how I feel about this story, honestly. But yeah, it, it was interesting. It was it was something. It was a bit hard to read too, I was I would admit, but 
the story was it was intriguing but then when charles showed up they didn't really explain to us how that happened how he ended up being the guy in the top hat right and you know all of that it anyways it could have been better i don't understand how charles became the guy and how he has the hat instead of just the random guy showing up again you know what i mean do you think maybe so they they said that um charles and chelsea were having a lot more fights and stuff does maybe did that attract the that little silver top hat guy and it transferred to them like you have to be the couple fighting the most to get him right why did you go from the random guy coming to get you because you're going to bed angry to one of the person you know turning into the guy because they stopped the fight when he came back home yeah he said that i think it's because of all of the you know all that was going on like you know the fight and all he went for a run and then he just came back and you know he got a cool head now and he just wanted to to end the the, the fight you know so he just hastily went upstairs and forgot to lock the door and the guy walked in and never walked out but yeah like they didn't really explain how he the silver top hat went from him to charles there was no like we can speculate as much as we want but they never really gave an explanation because they never resolved their own issue either if that was the case you know he should have turned into the guy a long time ago and killed his wife but at the same time too she said that charles and uh, um and Chelsea fought a lot. So that silver top guy just finds open doors of couples who just had a fight. Like they fought a lot all the time. So then like is there like a a certain length of time of fighting before the guy shows up? It's so many questions. So many questions. Like if this was a movie, I'll be mad that I lost two hours of my life. Because I'll have so many questions, right. like so many plot holes <laughs> that are just, you know. <laughs> Also, what's a seventh inning? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I think this person did too much research on, like, words to, you know, like, to sound more literate and stuff. It was just doing the most, you know? It really was. I had no clue what that was or what that, what it meant. But, um, yeah, I've never heard it before. Yeah, he didn't give, he didn't transcribe the same way he imagined it or she imagined it. I don't know. Not to me. Well, anyways, that was the last story we had for you today. Let us know what you thought about it and give us a better explanation if you have one because I am still lost. So am I. But until the next episode, don't go to bed angry. Okay? Bye. Toodaloo.